0: Welcome to the Tucker Bass Sports Podcast, sponsored by NorthAmericanDental.com. North American Dental offers membership-based dental plans that feature amazing discounts for dental care services from participating providers nationwide with just one affordable annual or monthly membership fee. You'll have access to discounted services including dental care, vision, hearing, and prescription plans. Go to NorthAmericanDental.com for more information. Thank you for joining the show today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be having uh, Craig Bollerjack... On the show today, in just a few minutes, we'll be talking about the Utah Jazz, who have a 14-9 start. They've won seven of their last eight. Uh, We're only 23 games into the season. Gordon Hayward, obviously looking like an all-star. So we'll get into all that information. We'll talk uh, the savvy veterans on the team, Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw. We'll ask about George Hill. And we'll also talk about some of the late-game struggles and what Craig has seen um, on the floor. So... Without further ado, here is Mr. Craig Bullerjack. All right, thank you for joining me today, Craig. Uh, We'll get started right away. We'll talk some Gordon Hayward. Uh, 28 points last night, a very quiet 28 points, I might add. Five rebounds, four assists. What kind of things did you see from him last night that opened up the floor for everybody else?
1: Well, I think it's just again it's it's his leadership to be honest with you. Uh and, and when you know, without George Hill and we can talk about that later, Gordon has to take a different role and that is, you know, more of a floor leader and and plus he's been a more powerful player. And what I mean by that is just getting to the getting to the basket and also that means free throws. And to be a twenty point per night player in this league, as you know, You've got to be at the line eight, nine, ten times. That's what LeBron, that's what Jordan did. Uh, that's what James Harden does so well in Westbrook and others. But Gordon is over the 20 point mark this year because again, he's finishing. He's getting a lot of buckets and ones and he's uh, had a terrific run at the free throw line. Not as, not as well uh, against, uh, uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns last night, but uh, he's been, what 90 91 percent he's down to 89 but he's a terrific free throw shooter and uh, I think also too that's overlooked and not talked about enough is just his defense Uh, first he's a good defensive rebounder and also he, he recovers extremely well uh to run down the floor uh you know block shots get in the face of defenders when the jazz get into turnover issues He's one of the first guys, you know, to, to get back on defense. So he's underrated, I think, in that regard. I think he's just a terrific two-way player, and he's really just now reaching his prime in his seventh year in the league.
0: You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because he really doesn't get a lot of praise for his work on the defensive end, and he's going up against some of the top players. If, I mean, if they're playing the Cavs, he's going to be the one defending LeBron James. If On Thursday night, we're probably going to see him guard either Steph Curry or – Kevin Durant tomorrow night, so he really doesn't get enough credit, especially on that chase down block. It's kind of yeah, his, his yeah, go to
1: move. It is the chase down is uh, he's got more speed than people give him credit for. You know he, he's he's uh, he's light on his feet. You know uh, you know he's got good lateral movement. Maybe that's because you know of his tennis background. But yeah, he's he's pretty quick uh, to to get back on the chase down block. And he's, he, that's kind of his signature move. And you have to appreciate that. And and not only because of, of, of the the ability to play defense, but the hustle, a lot of players, as you know, uh, they just, they would give up on a play like that. They wouldn't waste their energy or time. And you have to applaud a guy who can, who can uh, go both ways on the floor, defensive, defensive effort, offensive effort, because it, it takes a toll. Uh, during the course of 35, you know, between 30 and 34 minutes that he'll play. And um, a lot of guys just give up and say, I'll rest and play another, you know, I'll wait and play another play. But Gordon, I think, is uh, is underrated on his hustle. Well,
0: and I think he does a good job of picking and choosing those moments when he's actually going to chase down and block that shot. We saw it a couple times last night when the Jazz had a couple turnovers late, and he knew it was – Probably not the best decision, and that's probably his veteran leadership and the fact that he's grown a lot throughout the years. He didn't go chase that down and try to make a play that might have cost the team even more during the end of the game. Um, So what what kind of leadership have you seen a a change, I guess, from Gordon Hayward this season?
1: Well, I I think it's always been an issue of of, of people have questioned that. I think it's a good question and one we can kick around. It's about, you know, Leadership sometimes is is probably judged by vocal. Uh, if you're a vocal leader, do you get in the face of your teammates? Do you take a microphone in the, in the locker room and become aggressive and saying, this stuff has to stop, we will get better, I will take it upon my shoulders you know, to, to make sure this doesn't happen again? You've heard the rhetoric uh, that you hear sometimes in locker rooms, and fans get used to that, and I think that is defined. Uh, And maybe unjustly as leadership. Now, sometimes it works, and sometimes it does motivate other players, and sometimes it motivates that individual who just who who spoke to the media in that regard. But in reality, uh, I think leadership comes in all different shapes and sizes and forms. And uh, you know, Gordon is not the most uh, you know arrogant person I know in, in professional sports doesn't come across that way and doesn't come across that way to his teammates. And I, I think, you know, in the long run, what he wants to do is uh, his leadership is kind of like Stockton's, unspoken. But yet what he does on the court is enough to lead. And I don't know if that's enough for some fans, but that's who Gordon Hayward is. And I think you have to appreciate the work ethic that he has given this franchise over the, over the seven years that he's been with with Utah. I know he's one of the harder working guys on and off the floor. I've watched him in practice for years and shoot arounds camp and, you know, he gets it done. And in the off season, of course he takes it uh, to the next level and he's improved his game, you know, year after year after year. So credit him for that. Uh, If you judge him only on just his, his vocal, the vocal nature, then you really, you know, he really doesn't pass the test, but, um, You know, other players take it in different ways. Carmelo Malone loved the camera. John Stockton just said, let's play. Roll the ball on the floor and let's go. And I think that's where Gordon Hayward is. He's more of a quiet assassin, I think, is the way that uh, we could probably label him.
0: I think that's a great way to label him. He's one of the best players in the league, and he really does not get the credit he deserves. Um, However, I want to talk a little bit about Boris Diao. I myself call him the floor general because when he's on the floor – Everything looks cleaner. When he has the ball in the post, he can see the floor, the backside of the court. Wherever he wants to get the ball to, he can get it there. What's the difference between he and, like, a Trey Lyles, for instance?
1: Well, I'd say two different styles. And plus, let's be honest, just years in the league, you become pretty crafty, uh, you know, after playing 14 years in the league. And I think Trey Lyles will, will, you know, have some of those same traits uh, as soon as he, you know, plays five, six years in this league and understands the nuances. But I uh, Boris wasn't healthy after the uh, preseason. And I, you could tell he couldn't pivot. He was slow and, and just didn't seem to be as engaged in his game. Took some time off. It's what happens when you, when you get a little older, you don't heal as fast. Believe me, I know. And the, and the bottom line is I think what Boris has done now is, is Boris Dia that we saw with San Antonio. And why he won a championship with Popovich, uh, and that's why they liked him. Uh, he's very he has great floor vision, as you mentioned, and he's also, you know, and this was discussed a lot too. I know he's a you know on the French national team with Rudy Gobert, and Rudy looked up to him while he was, you know, uh, growing up. And Boris was the man in France, and now Rudy obviously's taken taken that role. But they work well together, and I think overall Boris has helped the rest of the Jazz realize. That Gobert is is a, definitely a target uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and he just and so Boris has kind of started this trend of, you know, passing, looking for the open guy. Not only Gobert has benefited, but a lot of other Jazz players as well. And I think he's really on his game right now. The last four or five games, uh, Boris Diaz, I think is playing at the level the Jazz expected when they brought him over from San, from San Antonio.
0: Well, one thing I've noticed from Boris is he can score in bunches. If he needs to score the ball and the Jazz needs somebody in that moment, he can contribute however you need him to. Um, Joe Johnson, however, has had a hard time coming off the bench. Um, I, I don't know if it's because he's started his whole, his whole career, whereas Boris Diaw, for instance, has mainly come off the bench since probably Charlotte when he was playing with the Bobcats yeah. back in the day. Um, and a lot yeah, of people no. don't. Uh, uh, something I want to mention: a lot of people don't remember that Boris Diaw was actually drafted as a point guard, not as a power forward Great. or a center.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, he's. That's why he's so crafty with the basketball. Good point.
0: Um, but getting back to Joe Johnson, what's the difference in his game when he's starting versus when he's coming off the bench? Because the last few games he's played pretty well, but he's had some moments that he
1: he struggled. I, think you hit on something. I think when you played 16 years in the league and a seven time all star, I think you, you get into a situation where you believe, you know, that you are a starter and it's tough to make that transition for any player. Um, you know, he knows he was brought here to help and mostly off the bench, but he's been in a starter's role and also in a bench, uh, role as well. And it's difficult to, I think, deviate between the two. And I've talked to Harperin about this as well. And, you know, from his experience, I think the bottom line is, is rhythm. Uh, you know, you get, you know your minutes, you know your rotation minutes, and, and you find a way to go out and find your own rhythm against that starting opponent. So when you're kind of uh, uh, starting as a starter and then one night, pull back as a bench player, and then you don't get those quality minutes as a starter, and then you have to be instant offense in that 6- to 12-minute range that you play, then you force yourself probably. Um, and I think Harping would agree, Joe's a scorer. Joe likes isolations, and Joe likes to get you know one-on-one with an opponent and, and, and punish him. And I think, again, it takes a little time to get the motor revved, and sometimes in situations, Quinn will have to make decisions to substitute, and so you never find that rhythm. So I think Joe's making that adjustment as well. There's been nights that he's been on, and he's hit some clutch shots. And, you know, last night against the Suns, uh, you know, he played about 30 minutes and, and scored 13 points. And I think the most important thing, too, is he can hit the big shot. He's been there before, and I think that's where the Jazz are hoping for him to, to contribute as the season goes on and the Jazz get healthier, let's hope that he will be off the bench in fourth quarter closeout minutes, and he can actually deliver a shot, uh, an isolation, one-on-one bucket, or even a three, which he did against Phoenix. In fact, he hit three last night, and they came at a pretty opportunistic time.
0: See, and With all the injuries, I don't think he's actually been able to fully put himself into that bench role. Like you said, it's one night he's been in the starting lineup due to an injury. The next night, he's playing 18 to 23 minutes, and it's hard. Um, I I know this as a player, coming in off the bench, it's really difficult to get into that rhythm like you mentioned. Um, But what has changed uh, in in his mindset just in the last few games? Uh, Because we've seen a pretty hefty change from not really contributing coming off the bench to looking like the, the regular old Joe Johnson.
1: I think every player goes through cycles, and I think Joe probably has gone through those and he'll go through them again. Um, probably, you know, he's in great shape, uh, watching him work out and go through his routine. So I don't think he panics. I think he expects, you know, sometimes this roller coaster ride in his, in his uh, latter years. Uh, and, you know, sometimes when you, demand things of yourself maybe one night or two they don't <laughs> the body the mind's willing the body's not <laughs> but I, I you know again I, I don't worry about him I think he really knows himself very well and again I think it comes back down more to just making sure that he's got the rhythm he breaks a sweat and Quinn Snyder realizes that you know he needs some minutes to find that uh, that groove and you know, last night, I mean, he played. He played a, a strong game. Thirty minutes, or nearly thirty minutes of basketball, and sometimes those are defined as starter minutes. Yep. But uh, you know, the way the game, the, the way the game played out, uh, he, he uh, I thought he was very engaged and, and uh, played a big part. After Phoenix made an, an incredible run back, uh, the Jazz were able to restore order and, and, and score the win.
0: Well, and I think. You see the difference between a veteran like him and you see when Dante Exum's struggling, for instance. Um, right. Joe is laughing most of the time when he's having a bad night just because he knows it doesn't happen often. I, I feel like that's what I've noticed is he's kind of shaking his head, usually has a smile when he's having an off night, which I think is a lot better of an attitude to have than, than to have that negativity because it'll go night through night if you have that with you. Um, but I do want to take a step into George Hill. You mentioned him earlier uh, in the podcast. The Jazz are 5-1 and one when he and Gordon Hayward both play so far this season. 5-1, and one, pretty amazing. George Hill's averaging 20 points per game, uh, almost four rebounds, and four assists. What is the difference in point guard play that you see when George Hill's playing versus when a Shelvin Mack or a Dante is playing?
1: Well, it's a real easy answer, and that's, again, experience. Uh, You know, he's played for Indiana, he's played for San Antonio, and now he's with the Jazz. And he just has veteran savvy. Uh, You know, he's, again, one of those quiet assassins. But in, in another odd way, the team is really drawn to him as a leader. And, you know, and that goes back to the it factor. What is it? I mean, I think people know when people have it (laughs) it's fun to you know to discuss the it factor but you know george just just has a presence and i think that's what it is you know the presence that people want to follow and trust and that's that's george hill from my my chair my perspective uh i'm disappointed that he hasn't been able to perform uh and i know the the level that he of competition in his mind he brings it and he's disappointed that he's had these nagging injuries. First a thumb, now a toe. Come on, those are injuries you kind of want to chuckle about, but they're real. Yep. And the way he plays the game, people say, "Come on, just you know, gut it out." But I tell you, a big toe injury uh, when you in the game of basketball at the, his position, the way you pivot and push—if you can't do your job, then all you're doing is being detrimental, you know, to to to, to the process. So yep. uh, you want him healthy at his at his best level. And the Jazz are waiting for him to return, hopefully sooner than later, and hopefully we'll see him against Golden State. I wish I had insight. I wish I had. Uh, I wish I was a doctor, but I, I'm not. I know he's working hard to get back, and and really, it's basically rest. Yep. It's rest and treatment, and until he can uh, get back and, and get his legs back underneath him, you know the situation kind of stands as it is. But I think to answer your question, he just he has a leadership ability that the Jazz uh you buy into and even though Gordon Hayward has been you know labeled as the guy and the franchise based the franchise, George Hill's coming in a very short period of time, giving him great compliments and I think they work very well as a tandem together. Uh when you have that type of continuity, good things happen and I'm excited to see where this jazz team go when once they really do get healthy. And that includes Derek Favors and Alec Burks, by the way. And Just
0: a quick question. Do you have any information on Alec Burks? I've had a lot of people asking me uh, if if I know anything or if somebody I know uh, has any word as to where he is in his rehab and his recovery.
1: Well, the the simple answer is no. And I wish I could break some big news for you, but uh, the Jazz, as you know, it's, they keep very uh, close to the vest about injuries and they don't like speculation, as you know, in the media. Uh, and they don't post anything about time, <clears throat> about three games, three weeks, two weeks, and we should have him back. And I, I guess that's not, you know, that's probably so they don't put pressure on a player, but at the same time, <clears throat> um, You know, it kind of keeps opponents off balance. Now, they do give out daily injury reports that the league um, uh, commands, uh, demands. And so they'll, you know, toe injury out, probable, questionable, all that. But on a long-term basis, we really don't know. Now, I can tell you this. I've watched Alec practice and go through shoot-arounds, and he's close. Now, that is Alec who says he'd like to play last night. Because that's the way he is. That's the way he should be. Uh, players ought to want to be on the floor. And he, uh, I know he's disappointed. Gone through a lot of injury, but you just have to hope that he's he's closer than than he was last week. Uh, I like the way he's looking. Breaking a great sweat. He's moving well on his legs. And it t- the way he plays, though, uh, as you know, uh, more of probably the most athletic. Guy on the team and gives us a totally different dimension on the baseline and running the floor. So he's like a thoroughbred or like a gazelle. His legs are the most important part on his body and he's got to be really at nearly a hundred percent to, to, to do what he does and, and do it, do it well. As for D faves, that one is kind of a question mark for me. I'm a little puzzled myself about it all. Uh, I'm just not sure really, uh, the extent of the injury you hope it's again something that rehabilitation and time will heal but the jazz desperately would love to have him back and uh as a tandem with rudy as a rim protector and a rebounder
0: well and i think with where the jazz are so far to the season with how many injuries we've had it goes to show how well the jazz brass did this offseason getting this roster to a point where if we did have injuries we could still sustain Good play and good basketball on the court. Fourteen to nine is a fantastic Absolutely. start. Um, for no, a team it is, who's and you look around. So, really bad in in the last few years. I mean, I'm a diehard Jazz fan, but this year compared to years past is a completely different team and a completely different mindset. It seems like.
1: No, it it, it is, and I think they expect to win. And the additions that you spoke of the uh, the the veterans. Uh, that Dennis Lindsay brought in is is for that reason, and that is to push this team to the next level. And you look at the standings in the Western Conference, the Jazz are seventh, but uh, it's such a tight race. I mean, they're only a game out of the fourth spot. Yeah. So, I, I again, these games are so important at home. The Laker road win was so big just to put in your back pocket. Um, and so this, you know, the Jazz being home for 10 days, and now they've got four more home games to go. Uh, These are important ball games. You got to the upset Golden State. Can you find a way to stop Westbrook? Uh, You can't let games against Dallas slip away. So, you know, this is an important time before we hit the road for a couple of games before the holidays, and then come back and play Sacramento, which is a winnable ball game, obviously. And there's a lot of winnable ball, you know, games in the month of December before we hit the road again. So it's a good time to pad the win-loss record. It's going to be a battle. And I, I think the Jazz are definitely a playoff team and, and I think can even, you know, even be more of a, of a, uh, a thorn in a lot of teams' sides once they get healthy. You get, you get George Hill and D. Faves back and a bench player of Alec Burks's, uh, ability. Uh, you're going to have a tough time getting on the floor as a player because that's how deep this team really is. And that's the plan. So. Best man plays, best defender plays, and competition's good, really between uh, you know between a, a team, a roster, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Quinn Snyder handles it once his team does finally get healthy, and let's hope they do soon.
0: I fully agree. Uh, let's talk about two more things real quick, and then I'll, I'll I'll let you go. What do you attribute some of the late game struggles to? I know I, I feel like it's been mostly on the defensive side of the ball. They I feel like they get a little bit complacent and then they allow a team to make a pretty big run and mm-hmm. really make a game out of a game that shouldn't have been a game at the end of the third quarter.
1: Well, yeah, good observation. And, and you know, we talked about this last night too. You're up 23, you're coasting, and you, you got to bury a team like Phoenix. And they're young, and if you give them a little bit of light, they're just going to start playing, you know, open, ease, playground basketball, and that's what they did. Uh, I think too, when Rodney Hood got injured and re retweaked the hammy, uh, you lost a great defender out front and Devin Booker started to run downhill and so did Le- uh, Leando Barbosa, uh, who were able to get past our, our wings and Dante had, you know, foul trouble again, uh, turned around, got, got out of position multiple times and the Jazz just couldn't recover fast enough. But you know, I think too, when you have those type of leads, the next step for the Jazz is not to let up mentally, and that's where great teams take the next level—the mental toughness that, have to, that has to be there night in, night out. 82 games, as you know, man, that's a, that's a, that's a marathon, and each night you, you may not you, you may not bring your best game or your best attitude each night, but the great teams, playoff teams, second round teams, Western Conference champion teams will fight through that. And yet every, every NBA team has runs, and but not, not to the extent that Phoenix gave uh, the Jazz last night. They put 30 up in, in both the third and fourth quarters, and you expect a run or two during the course of a game. But what impressed me the most, I don't think that the Jazz could have easily lost that game last year. Mm-hmm. I think you probably agree with what we discussed about their lack of ability to close games out. But yeah. what I was impressed, was when they, when Phoenix tied the game, the Jazz said, okay, enough. Let's, let's restore order and finish the game on a 9 2 run. And Phoenix absolutely had no answer. So can you turn it on and turn it off? Sometimes, but don't feel like that that's going to happen each and every night. You got to let, you just got to put teams away, get done with it, rest your players, and, and get on to the next ball game. And even though Quinn was, you know, disappointed, I thought he spelled it out pretty good in postgame, was some fatigue, uh, some foul trouble, uh, some youth of the Suns, and the fact that Jazz did lose focus but were able to ref- were able to uh, refocus in those final minutes. And that's what was probably most important and most impressive thing for him.
0: So talk to me a little bit about Rudy Gobert. Um, that moment last night on that reverse alley-oop dunk, I don't even know if it was an alley-oop pass. For sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if he knew. Yeah, I don't.
0: It, it was just absolutely amazing that the momentum shift after that play and Rudy Gobert's plus-minus versus other centers in the league that he's played against is, bar none, the best in the league. I don't see how he cannot be revered as the best center in the league. Yes, DeAndre Jordan is, is pretty good, but I honestly think Rudy Gobert offensively, has more talent and more upside, especially shooting. You see his stroke from the free-throw line for a big guy? Yeah. You, he's really improved. Yeah, it's,
1: it's very much improved. And, again, that comes with confidence and a lot of work. And Rudy's worked a lot at the free-throw line. I'm very impressed uh, with the way that he's improved his free-throws. He had a dip about uh, midway through November, but he's uh, right at the ship. And, and when you're getting to the free-throw line 11 times like he did last night, and you make 10. That's, that's pretty impressive for a big man. Most bigs, as you know, and fans know, don't, it's almost you, you, you get a chuckle out of the bigs trying to find, uh, you know, a stroke at the free throw line because their hands are so big and the, and the basketball looks like an orange. I mean, Shaq was probably the worst of all, you know, trying to put those on his fingertips and, and find a way to push it through. But uh, I'm impressed with Rudy. I love his work ethic. He has a real, uh, a more gritty side to him than people realize. Uh, yeah he's european and people sometimes again label europeans as as a soft basketball player but rudy is one of the exceptions uh, he wants to prove that just because he's seven feet uh, he's not a freak of nature that he's a true basketball player and he can actually actually you know be the best in the NBA and i love that attitude about rudy he works and works and he's very serious about his job and i think jazz fans uh, should be very happy and appreciative of that type of mental attitude, it's hard to come by in this day and age. Uh, when you hand players the type of salaries they get, and Rudy is a guy that just was rewarded with a, an incredible ex- of a extension of 102 million dollars over four years. But you know what? Talking to him, he's he's not phased. I think he just motiv- that's motivates him to show he deserves it, and he wants to be revered as the best, and he wants the respect, by the way, too. And I think he's gaining that. You saw Chandler last night try to bully bully him. And Rudy held his ground, and yep. that tells you that an old pro was frustrated by this new young guy on the block. And Rudy got in his head, and yep. that's the way you—that's how that's how you win one-on-one matchups.
0: Well, I believe he and Alex Lynn were taken in the same draft. Is that correct?
1: Uh, let me think. Alex was, yes. I, I, I think he Alex Len was taken like
0: fourth or fifth. Taken pretty high yeah, Alex was top a, ten.
1: Yeah, he was out of Maryland, and yeah, they're both four years out. And that's the other part. Rudy wears 27, and you know why. That was yep, his draft number. Pick,
0: yep.
1: and, and so, he, again, I, he believes he should have been a lottery pick, and I like that. And But he was taken 27th. The Jazz made a deal, and it got him to Utah, and it may turn out to be one of the most uh, impactful trades the Jazz have ever or will ever make. We'll, we'll wait and see what, what history says, but right now you have to like what you see.
0: Well, he's the best big, I think, the Utah Jazz have had since well, defensively since Mark Eaton. Um, the, the way he's oh, able absolutely. to block shots. Because, I mean, we had Al Jefferson, who was great offensively, but he was kind of a black hole on the offensive side of the ball, whereas you see with Rudy Gobert, oh, he yes. doesn't need to touch the ball for long periods of time to make plays offensively. You just lob it up to him at the rim, and he's scoring 15, 16 points in a a night. Pretty impressive. However, I do want to get to tomorrow's game, Uh, the Warriors. What do the Jazz have to do to beat? I I, I call them the second-best team in the NBA because, obviously, I'm a Jazz fan. (laughs) And I think (laughs) we're the best team in the NBA. I think we have the, the ability to be top for top five team in in the West, not even in the West, but in the entire league. So what do the Jazz have to do tomorrow against Golden State to really slow down the offense? You look at Klay Thompson, what, 60 points the other night, and he didn't touch the ball for more than 90 seconds. I don't know how you can yeah. defend that, but what do we got to do? Well,
1: I, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult. Let's be honest, especially with uh, the way that they are playing. Uh, they're, they're a very good ball club and they are well coached, but look, um, it, you become a great coach when you have great players and you, you're 18 and three and look what they did last year. They set an NBA record and wins, uh, what, 73 and they still lost the title. And then they go out and get Durant. And, of course, he's been chastised for leaving Oklahoma City and and Westbrook. But bottom line is, you know, he's out to get a ring. Um, I'm not much into Super League teams. I like teams that uh, have individual players that go out and compete every night. Um, I'm old school that way. And I wasn't a big fan when LeBron went to Miami. Uh, And I love the fact that Magic Johnson and Larry Bird you know, I have said multiple times, look, I didn't want to play with him. I wanted to beat him. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, but it is what it is in the league. A lot of guys do want to play with one another, but also I think Durant saw a pretty easy avenue to postseason, uh, and a pretty easy avenue to potentially an NBA championship. So you you can either agree with him or disagree and disagree or agree with me. But I'm anxious to see this team. I've, I've circled it on my calendar a month or two ago. I think so, this will be a great test to see who we are as a franchise, how tough we are mentally as well. Um, if George Hill, by chance, uh, comes out of that boot, and we'll find out more tomorrow at shoot Shootaround uh, on that Thursday game, uh, we'll, I think I'll feel better if George Hill's running the show and he's healthy. Um, and then we go from there, but you know what? That's a broad question. I think you have to probably play near perfect basketball. Do not give them extra possessions on turnovers, uh, protect the paint, and you have to put a face in the hand of Curry and Thompson when they shoot the three. Steph, as you know, is a magician. Uh, I've seen him with guys wrapped around him and put almost with a blanket and put him in the front row, and he still is able to hit, you know, incredible three point shots, but you know, again, everything's in a cycle. All players aren't on every night. And you have to hope that maybe Golden State, uh, coming off a back to back against the Clippers will be a bit fatigued and the Jazz take advantage and use the energy of the home crowd. That's a lot to say. But all those little pieces we just discussed have to play a factor in the game. And I'm sure to see how it turns out.
0: So what's the difference in, in crowd attendance and noise you've you've noticed in the arena, just speaking to the crowd?
1: Well, I, I think the Jazz fans are some of the best, if not the best in the league. It gets loud around, you know, around the NBA on, on given nights. And of course, I would expect not a seat, not, a, not a seat to be empty tomorrow and that this thing is, is, uh, I would love to say epic, but we'll wait and see. It has all the, it, it, you know, it, if the window dressings tell you that it, it should be a terrific game because again, the Jazz and, the way that the NBA insiders believe that they would be a top four team in the West. And you got obviously the, the best team in the West. Um, but again, health plays an issue and, and I, I would hope that George Hill would be back. Can't guarantee anything, but I think that would make a big difference in the way we defend uh, the, the guard line and probably takes pressure off Dante Exum and Shelvin Mack as well to come off the bench and, uh, and play their roles as, as I think designed. So we'll wait and see. But if the Jazz can continue also to knock down threes, then, and they've been very hot, as you know, over the last five to six ball games. Uh, the three, the three's been a big friend of theirs and Joe Johnson's been a part of that. Trey Lyles and Joe Ingles, who's played terrific, uh, hitting corner threes. You'll have to do the same thing against Golden State. That's what the Jazz will have to have to stay in pace, stay pace with them. I'm not sure it's going to be a defensive struggle. I think the Jazz will have to score, uh, and score quite a bit to, to stay. Uh, to stay with with the Warriors uh, on Thursday.
0: Well, Craig, I thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, Taking time out of your hectic, busy schedule. So thank you so much. Um, If you want to give a shout out to somebody, you're more than welcome to. Um, But thank you.
1: Well, I'll give a shout out to you. Uh, Thanks for the call. It's a pleasure. You're doing a great job. And uh, we we talked, what was it, two months ago?
0: It was uh It was about a month ago.
1: Yeah, 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 or so. And uh, just continue to do what you're doing. And uh, anytime, call and we'll uh, we'll do it again. Congratulations on the podcast and uh, go jazz.
0: Thanks, buddy.